Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and happy 4th of July, bosses. I've got a special patriotic edition of the Bossed Up podcast today with my boss tip episode for you all about how to get locally involved in activism. After all, what could be more patriotic than getting involved in your community and your country? So this year, I've been sharing a lot with my Instagram followers about how I'm getting more involved in local activism here in Colorado. Since moving to Denver from D.C. two years ago, I really wanted to seize the opportunity of living in a state with a ton of political diversity that's really tackling some big, important issues. I've long been active in national politics. I did start my career, after all, on the Obama campaign, working as an organizer and later a digital strategist, and often find myself donating to causes that I care about, too. But there's just no substitute for making a difference locally. I'm still a grassroots gal at heart, as it turns out. And as the headlines lately have become more and more triggering and frustrating, I'm reminded of the old saying, think global, act local. One of the best ways to keep hopelessness and despair at bay is to get busy doing something, anything, to make a difference. And so far, my experience of getting more involved on the ground right here in my backyard has proved to be a rewarding and worthwhile endeavor. So for those of you who are interested in getting more involved as an activist in your community, here's a few tips to think about when getting started. Number one, show up. I know this sounds so simple, but it's true. Decisions are made by people who are in the room where it happens as it goes in Hamilton. So get yourself into those rooms. Scour social media and event listings in local papers and publications to look for rallies, press conferences, hearings, and lobby days, which are days when organizations bring people together at the statehouse to talk directly to your elected officials. That statehouse, after all, is your house. It's the people's house. So you should feel entitled to be there, and lobby days are a great way to get started. Most activist organizations are nonprofits or 501c4 organizations, who operate in conjunction with other partner organizations in the form of coalitions. So search for organizations with your state's name and the word coalition in it, and you're likely to find a whole bunch of interest groups that you might want to be a part of. Follow them on social media. Sign up for their email lists. Fill out any volunteer sign-up forms that they have on their website. Or email their staff directly if you're interested in learning more about how to get involved. I recently got more involved as 
someone who is a small business owner who cares a lot about progressive policies through an organization, Small Business Majority, that a friend of mine in D.C. cued me into and connected me with the local Colorado organizers who are helping engage in small business organizing here on the state level. And that led me to find Good Business Colorado, another related organization that really operates on a coalition format to help engage entrepreneurs on progressive policies here. And getting more involved in those two organizations has been such a helpful gateway to learning more about where I can make an impact. I also got started here in Colorado by simply asking a friend who's way more involved in local politics than I am where I should show up. My friend Faith Winter is someone I met and connected with years ago through a national activist group in D.C., and now she's a state senator elected to a leadership position in Colorado. She told me about something called Women and Family Wednesdays, this meetup group that connects over breakfast at the state capitol building here in Denver on most Wednesday mornings. And even though I didn't really know what I was getting into and literally didn't know a single person there, the next Wednesday morning, after I heard about it from Faith, I just showed up. (laughs) I introduced myself, slapped a name tag on, poured myself a cup of coffee from the box of coffee they had there, and just started meeting folks. And I met a whole bunch of leaders and local activists and got connected right away to groups where I could make a difference. Tip number two for getting started in activism is to look for a campaign where you can volunteer. Even though we're over a year out from our next national election, it's pretty clear that we are officially in election season. And now is really the best time to get locally involved in the campaigns that you care most about. I started volunteering on electoral campaigns when I was just in high school. I got sick and tired of my very politically engaged father just yelling at the TV and yelling over what was happening in the news and said, well, let's go do something about it, you know, and and dragged him to my very first phone bank on behalf of a Senate candidate that was just two towns over. And I'll tell you, I was hooked from minute one. I just... I love the infectious energy that you'll find in most campaign headquarters. It's just full of hardworking people on staff and those volunteering who are doing the real work of talking to their neighbors, one phone call and one door knock at a time. Grassroots organizing taught me so much about public speaking, about persuasion and empathy, and about just building power through consensus building. I think now more than ever, having real and regular conversations with total, frankly, strangers in our community, like our neighbors, is so important. And in our rapidly accelerating levels of isolation in this world, I I think it's a more and more rare thing. So campaigns are a great way to get involved on that level and really develop your skills in in terms of public speaking or just speaking in general. Now, I don't want to put off all my introverts who are listening and thinking, well, that sounds like torture. (laughs) Because to be fair, there are many different ways to volunteer on campaigns. In fact, after I cut my teeth in field, which is how organizers really describe that department of a campaign apparatus that focuses on phone calls and canvassing voters door-to-door, 
I transitioned into more digital volunteering when I was a student in college. In fact, my senior year at Brown, before I stepped into a formal leadership role as a member of staff after graduation, I served as a digital intern on the Obama campaign. And my job was answering voter questions on behalf of the Obama campaign that came in through, get this, my space. <laughs> and I was really focusing on four different battleground states because they divvied up the states f- across the different uh, digital interns that they had. And so every day I woke up and I answered Floridian questions that came in through MySpace about the president's policy positions. And it just felt so satisfying to be able to provide clarity to voters who were thinking about who they were going to vote for and provide basic voter information about where to register and how to cast your ballot. So how can you get involved? Well, first, know that different campaigns volunteers are treated and managed wildly differently. As a volunteer, you have every right to be treated with respect and fairness and for your time, which you're donating to this campaign, to be treated with respect. So keep showing up for the campaigns who provide meaningful opportunities to get involved and the ones that really treat you with that sense of respect. Now, assuming that you're paying attention to the news, which is part of my everyday morning routine, and I highly encourage you to find the podcast news roundup that works best for you or you know, come up with those habits that work best for you for staying informed. I'm a big fan of Erica Mandy's The Newsworthy Podcast and a loyal listener of The New York Times, The Daily Podcast. I'm also a New York Times Sunday subscriber, and I love it. So, you know, find ways to stay informed. And then assuming that you are informed and that you feel passionately about a certain candidate's vision for the future, whether they're running nationally in a statewide election or in a town or city near you, get on their email list, sign up to volunteer on their website, ask for a one-on-one meeting with their organizers to see how you can have a maximum impact. And again, keep showing up for the organizations that make you feel welcome, included, and important. And finally, tip number three for getting involved as an activist is to engage on the issues that you care most about. So if you'd like to get more involved in activism, but find yourself called more to the issues that you care about than a single candidate, then volunteering on an electoral campaign might not be for you. So instead, look out for coalitions or organizations in your area that are fighting on behalf of the issues that you care most about. Many national organizations have local chapters, too. So if your number one issue is preventing gun violence, for instance, you might want to learn more about getting locally involved in the Community Justice Action Fund or Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. You might happen to be living in a politically relevant state for one of those organizations where legislation is up for consideration, or you might not. So don't take it personally if the biggest organizations that you care about don't care that much about you. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, sometimes it's more about timing and your geography than what you care most about or what you can do for them. So for instance, when I showed up at the state house for my first Women and Families Wednesday, that morning breakfast where I didn't know anyone, I ended up learning about the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless, a group that was organizing a lobby day that morning. Now, I didn't know about it beforehand, but I learned from their organizers that they were pushing for more flexibility 
for tenants who were late on paying rent. Here in Colorado, we have some of the strictest tenant laws in the nation, where landlords can begin eviction proceedings after just three days past the rental due date. Now, as a new landlady myself, who's brand new to the world of property management, this legislation caught my attention. Since I have a personal connection to the issue, And I also happen to believe in strengthening tenants' rights. So was this my number one policy priority personally beforehand? No, not really. But given the timing and my geography and my relationship to the issue, I realized that this could be an opportunity for me to make a meaningful impact. So with the support of the coalition staff, I ended up testifying over the next few weeks at both the House and Senate hearings on the bill as the only landlady present to advocate for tenants' rights on the issue. You know, I had the chance to counter some of the arguments that were coming from other property management folks who were against this bill and really share my experience of how my mortgage company, for instance, gives me a 15-day grace period so it wouldn't kill my whole business model to be a little more lenient and understanding of folks who need to access emergency funds that are available when you're late on your rent and you're facing poverty and homelessness and just the massive domino effect that homelessness has and how it disproportionately impacts children and families and women who are already at risk for lots of other challenges. So I really was able to converse directly with lawmakers and answer their questions about my experience as a landlady who was pro-tenants' rights. And I am so thrilled to have played a small part of passing the new legislation here that officially increased the legally protected grace period for tenants here in Colorado from three days to now 10 days. And damn, I have to say that feels so good to have played a small role as an activist, as an everyday citizen, making my voice heard on behalf of issues I care about and and actually having an opportunity to make a difference. At the end of the day, when you're getting involved as an activist, you've got to choose how you spend your time wisely. Because getting involved in activism is really all about sharing your time, your talents, and your efforts on behalf of the changes that you'd like to see in this world. But as we all know, your time is your most valuable asset. So donating it to the causes and candidates you believe in is no small gesture. But getting involved as an activist can also be an incredibly enriching, purposeful addition to your life especially when you're not deriving a sense of purpose from whatever earns you a paycheck. And listen, I am well aware that not everyone has the privilege of being able to spend their time freely or on behalf of causes that they believe in. But if and when you do find yourself in such a position of privilege, let's use it with intention. Because at the end of the day, getting more involved in your community is about acting on something larger than yourself. As the rabbinic sage Hillel the Elder famously said, and has been famously evoked by political leaders since then, from JFK to Barack Obama, he said, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? If I am only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? Answering these tough questions is really about engaging in our communities. And there's nothing more patriotic to embrace on this 4th of July than the idea of joining activist efforts to better our nation and our world.
let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.